The Getting Tabled podcast is brought to you by Valhalla Hobby. You can find them at valhallahobby.com. Please support the people that support us. All right, in three, two... Oh, wait, hold on, I have to push this button first. Brought to you by some guys on the internet. This is Getting Tabled. With your hosts, Jason the Bruce. You guy! George the Yang. I hope you're all entertained by my ineptitude. Jason, a.k.a. Major Socks. We've been doing this and talking about various stuff. One of the stuff. Now sit back, relax, and get tabled. Hello, future people, and welcome to episode 100, 100, 100, 100, 100 of Getting Tabled with your host, the Bruce and... The stop sign, Greg. Greg, the stop sign. <laughs> Hello, folks. Welcome to episode 100. It's been a long time coming. Like, a little over 100 fortnights. And we also have I, the main man. Every, the reason that everybody is here, nobody cares about us too. It's all about Corporal Socks. Oh, I've been demoted. The Marine Corps, <laughs> even. Two worse. I, 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 I would have called him Yeoman. Well, I've already called him Airman. I can't. Oh. T- I can't take him any further down without changing military codes. No, Yeoman is a uh, naval is... rank that was. Uh, their job was to swab the deck and and do all the grunt BS work. I've never yeah, heard that's... of Yeoman, and I used to be a naval cadet. Yeah, it's because it's not. It's, it's they stopped using it. Like you know when, you know, we started being more civil. Oh, okay. Civil. Yeah. When have we ever been civil? Uh, okay, no. when we stopped. Have you seen? Have you seen Western civilization? There's nothing civil about it. We just pretend to be civil. We don't duel anymore. To the death, anyways. True. True. That is... And, and, and up in No Man's Land, we have George. Who? Oh. No Man's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who? Who? Yeah. <laughs> who's on first? What's on second? What's on... No. I don't know. It's on third. What? Exactly. You don't... <laughs> if you don't know uh, that if you don't know that skip go to youtube after this and look up who's on first you're welcome also where have you been all of your life they, they could be too young and not exposed to great you know comedy like we have that is true later in this episode we will talk more about episode 100 and there will be an exclusive section later in the episode for our patreon which is the first time i think we're ever doing that um, in the meantime, shall we discuss some news? Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. You know, I have a habit of finding really weird things occasionally. occasionally I really... Like every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's every morning when he wakes up and looks in the mirror. Oh, this... that too. Well, that's not occasionally. That That is every day, yes. This actually came up in my Facebook feed this week. And I saw it, I'm like, oh, these are awesome. It's Ninja Bread War. Like, I'm looking at Ninja Bread Ninjas. And I'm looking at Ninja Bread, like, angry gingerbread men attacking you with sweets. Like, th- this is just really stupid in the best kind of way. They're doing them in both 15mm and 28mm, which 
in and of itself is shocking, really, um, because very few companies do essentially the same miniatures in two different scales. Um, this stuff is really, really cool. So this is by a company called Slave to Gaming. Um, I've been following these guys on Facebook for a really long time. I don't actually remember how I originally followed them. Or how I originally found them, I should say. Uh, there's also a really cool um, death in there as well. which Is there a Shrek? They need to have a Shrek. <laughs> that Not in this range. But, come on. There's... There's ninja gingerbread men and angry, I want to say barbarian gingerbread men. I don't know why barbarian, but they have big weapons in the grand scheme of things. One of them's what kick. About, what about donkey? Is there a donkey? Not, not in this range. There might be somewhere else on the website. I just love this so much. It's so silly and so stupid in the best way. Come on, these are great. Ah, you don't. I, I like you don't seem the... to share my excitement over this. I, I was gonna say I, I love the one holding the the lollipop with the bite out of it. Yes. <laughs> you can do some damage all... with that. It's got sharp all, corners. All I can hear is the 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 voice of the gingerbread man from Shrek. You're a monster. I can't quite do it. Uh, the only thing I will say about this is I don't know if they're done in resin or if they're done in in metal. I'm going to assume it's in metal, but I don't actually know because it doesn't actually say anywhere. Oh no, sorry, there it is, metal cast. So they're metal, they're metal minis. So yeah, th this is supposed to be like an evil animated, unliving minion. So it's like it's an evil, it's an evil fairy tale essentially. I just love everything about it. It's it's really. Really, really funny. I kind of want to get like a miniature of a cook, or or a little like a little old lady that's been cooking these biscuits with a really evil look on her face, and just have these no, th following not biscuits. Her. Sorry, no, not biscuits. Cookies. Get it right, Bruce. Cookies. Biscuits. There, there are cookies. Biscuits. <laughs> biscuits actually... are what Grandma makes on Sunday morning with the gravy. Yes. Only in America. Though, to be fair, these guys are calling them biscuits. So, uh, sorry, they are calling them cookies, therefore I am wrong. Anyway, I, I saw those and I had to talk about them because they're brilliant. Uh, these are coming for a new game that appears to be coming out called Grim Fantasy, which is basically exactly what it sounds like. It's an evil version of Fantasy Worlds. <laughs> it's just so silly and I love everything to do with it. Or because they're calling it grim, maybe it's an actual accurate retelling of the fairy tale story kind of thing. I'm trying to remember if Gingerbread Men wasn't evil in the original stories, though. Yeah, but all the stuff Grim did, they were it was creepy, demented, and not the happy, fluffy stuff that you know parents told their kids about. It is true. I just I I'd have to look it up. I just don't I don't remember the original story being a a, a like a twisted one I don't know moving anyway. on it's that time of year that again other company yep so yeah I, I, I'm those that are watching the video can see the look on my face and the fact that I'm trying really hard not to roll my eyes right now 
As of March 6, Games Workshop are doing it again. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the second price increase in less than 12 months. No, you're, you're, you're mildly incorrect. The first same price increase was for retailers. This second price increase is what we are going to pay to Games Workshop. Um, no, there was a price increase I'm referring to that applied to everywhere except Australia last year. No, the one you're th- that, the one I th- I'm not thinking the, of from not last the, year. Not the store one that we spoke about a couple of episodes okay. ago. Okay, that's the one I was referring to was the, the yeah. one that was for uh, stores only. So, um... Uh it's yeah. kind of BS because I, it's a oh, 6%. It's, massive, it's massively B. Like, there's no yeah. justification for this at all. They're just doing it because... Games Workshop will continue to do this until it affects people buying their stuff and their followers are that dedicated that I really don't see that happening anytime soon because every time they do it, everybody just justifies why it's acceptable. Uh, and they keep on using the same argument as 12 years ago where it had been X amount of years since they did it and they're still trying to catch up. But it's... There is no justification for this price increase. They can make up justifications all they like. It doesn't mean that they're mm-hmm. true. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if, if uh, you know, a true, a true and accurate price increase, you know, for things is usually like half a percent to maybe a percent and a half. This is full on 6%. Yeah. Now, That's granted, huge. The example they use is a battle is a battle sisters squad, which goes up by one pound fifty, so Ooh. three Australian dollars. But Ooh, how much is that giant going up then? Well, it's completely irrelevant. They're only using that example because it sounds better than it really is. Six percent increase is ridiculously offensive. Games Workshop have an 80% market share, and it's absolutely ridiculous that they continue to hold that. They don't sell the best games in the market. They are in the top five of miniatures on the market, but they haven't been number one for over a decade. Uh, And I'm sorry, they haven't been. Some of their miniatures are phenomenal. I praise them quite frequently. But why is the rest of the gaming industry struggling so much against such a... There's just no justification for this. I know, like, so, I continue to rag on about this again and again and again. Uh, at least this one is global and nobody's being missed out this time. Although the last time we missed out is because we were already being ripped off by the company. Um, and I'm sorry, but everybody else finally actually started paying what was assumed to be fair. But of course, they didn't just raise. They didn't raise prices here. They just continually rip us off anyway. Uh, like they're still like. What was the last one we looked at? One hundred and ten dollars difference from what it should have been. Something it was like that, yeah. almost. It wasn't quite double the price, but it was close. Um, yeah, we have another story about that later. We'll come back to it. But it's not Games Workshop this time. I'm being fair. Um, so 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 just to, you know, they're talking like that's only a pound fifty increase on a sisters of battle box, right? Yeah. Um, because I already have the page open, uh, Archmage uh, Techles or whatever Spirit of you know, for the uh, the the Elves and Sigmar, it's yeah, a hundred and five pound kit. Yep. So you apply that six pounds, that's a hundred and eleven thirty. Yep. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, because if you look at all their prices, they're nice even round prices. Hmm. It's not going to go one hundred eleven. They're probably going to push it to one hundred twelve. 
Probably. Yeah. Uh, what is not changing? The starter sets are not changing. The paint sets are not changing. The paint pots are not changing. The tools are not changing. There's a surprise. 300% markup is not going up any further. Actually, it's probably 400% markup. Uh, codexes and rule books and stuff. So basically, everything that's not going up is the stuff that's already ridiculously overpriced. Um, because I'm sorry. that Their paint sets are probably the only thing in that list that are actually sold at a reasonable price. And and I'm, oh, I no, find myself in the position that unless it's like something very specific, I am actually currently in the process of trying to phase out every uh, Citadel paint I have. Yes. Um, I will say this for starter sets. Like starter sets, when you compare the starter sets to retail prices, are insanely good value. But what people f seem to fail to see about that value all the time is that it's only perceived value. They're only good because the price of the retail is ridiculously and offensively overpriced. Yeah, like my two uh, battle boxes, uh, 200 each, like, right? Well, if I was to go and click on each individual kit, it'd be $300. So yeah. perceived, I saved $100 each uh, battle box. Only because it would have cost me 300 bucks to just go buy the kits as they were, so... And let me put it this way. If a staff member, and I know I shouldn't know this, but I do know this, if a staff member buys a kit in store, they buy it at 50%. Which means they're still making profit at that point. So I know this, and I shouldn't either, but I know um, non-Games Workshop retailers are required at minimum for store stock, uh, like selling to yourself as the owner. Last I knew, it was cost plus ten of uh, uh, cost plus ten percent. That should be what... law because otherwise they can't pay their taxes. Yes, right. That's not so... a, that, that's not a Games Workshop thing. It's the same here in Australia. No, right, 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 right. But what I'm saying is like the the cost that Games Workshop dictates plus the ten percent. Yeah, that's what that's what they're charging retailers, which means they're still making money beyond that point. Yes. This is, this is my point exactly. Anyway, I want to move on to something a little bit positive from Games Workshop because about three years ago now, we got hint that the old world was going to come because they got sick of listening to all of the complaints. Whether the complaints are fair or not is completely irrelevant. It is why the old world was announced. Because don't worry, we're going to bring it back, sort of. And then we pretty much haven't heard anything from them ever since. Uh, I mean, sort of. I mean, we've been told occasionally that, oh, it's coming, but there's never actually been anything shown off. Um, we've actually got a development diary, and it shows off the Land of the Dead. So these are essentially, I'm sorry, but it's essentially the old Tomb Kings, sort of. Um, I mean, it's not an exact copy, so it's Camry, sorry. Um, it's not an exact, like they have updated these quite a bit which is good because those kits were rather old at that point probably one of the better things that they cancelled in all honesty um i'm kind of i don't know i don't know how to feel about this i mean i love what we're seeing but i i know that there's a group of people that really want this game to come back and they really want want to do it well i really don't know if there's actually room for both age of sigma and fantasy. 
I just don't see that there's a market for it. Well, sorry, I don't see that there's a market for both. And I would argue, I, mean, I know that fantasy had its fans, but it's going to have to be really, really good to throw so, Age of Sigmar off that pedestal. Because Age of Sigmar is not bad. It's a really good game. So I, I, I'm going to weigh in on this since I have uh, been a fan of fantasy and I do like me some Sigmar. Mm. Um, I, I really don't... There isn't room, in my opinion. Um, fantasy is great because it is... It's historically accurate for fantasy. Because mm. how, how, were, how were fights fought? They were fought with large formations, rank and file. You went in like that. That's how things were done. During the Revolutionary War with good old George Washington, he did skirmish tactics, and that was called ungentlemanly because that's not how wars were fought. Mm -hmm. what, what they've done with Sigmar, I think, is they've actually... I, I think Sigmar is a superior game system to that of 40K. Yep. I think once, I agree. When, when they when they first came out with Sigmar, it was like, you know, first of all, you know, there's 90% of the hate of they've killed fantasy, this is crap, I'm angry. Yeah. And then they came out with Sigmar. They didn't even put point values. They said, bring models and show up. That's even dumber because stuff is overpowered. And sure enough, the first box was Sigmarines and Corn. Yeah. Sigmarines won every time because when they added point values, oh, the Sigmarines had a hundred more points in that box than the corn did. So yeah, it was it was it was a balance. There was no, it was what it was they, the rule of cool and nothing else. Yep, yep, exactly. And so once they brought in points, the, I think the game system is very balanced as far as play goes. Like yeah, there's some things that are overpowered, Gotrek, um, Greater Demons. You know, there's some things. It's the Games but Workshop for, way though. Like, power yeah, creep is the legitimately part, their way. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, I think Sigmar is, and, and if you want to give me hate, I will fully accept that hate because I was one of those people that said, nope, Killing Fantasy was dumb, Sigmar's dumb. I think Sigmar is superior to what Fantasy ever was. Now, if they release a version of Fantasy that is just perfect, which you can't do, then no. yes, it'll be better than Sigmar, but it has to be perfect. At this point, you can't do that with, let's see, there's uh, one, two, three, four armies of death. Uh, and that's just the Grand Alliance of Death. So there's four armies, right? Yep. Then you have Order, you have Chaos, you have, um, what's the fourth one? There's four, four factions. Destruction. Of... Destruction. There, yeah, uh, Destruction, yeah. So Order, Chaos, Death, Destruction. Yeah. You know... You've got, what, eight under... You know, it's, there's too many armies to make it perfect. There's too many to make it balanced and perfect. I, I, I don't... I'm hoping that what they do, like the whole there's four different things of undead, I'm hoping that we just get the one of them. Like, I, I, I'm hoping that if you're going to do fantasy and you want it to be its own thing, then I don't want to see all of Age of Sigmar move across as well. I want fantasy to be fantasy, and I want Age of Sigmar to be Age of Sigmar. I don't want to, I don't want, like, remember Demons a couple of years ago where you could buy the one set, but then you could use them in either 40k or Fantasy, and it came with both yep. sets of boxes? I don't want to see that with this, because if you're doing that with this, then it completely negates all of the hard work that you've done with Age of Sigmar, and then basically all you're going to do is alienate your Age of Sigmar base by killing Age of Sigmar and going it into Old World. 
exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I, if, if they do it, it needs to be. It needs to know, be separate. If it's going, if it's going to be a thing, it needs to be separate, and there needs to be something about it. But they need to prove well, that there's enough room for both. The, the the way they need to do it is the way like you know the zone universe is or um you know some other type of game where it's you know it's four factions pick one from alliance pick one from death pick one from chaos and you know one from destruction that's your fantasy and then there's x amount of things you can use you can't use fire slayers in you know fantasy yeah. just as a, you know because there's already these type of dwarves so that means you can't use cauldron overlords because that's a different kind of dwarf. Yep. That's what they need to do if they want to bring back fantasy and make it good, is they need to limit it, which they won't, so it won't be as good as it could be. Yeah. Um, I will say this, like, as from a Games Workshop, because, I mean, look, we are critical, but we're not, we don't hate on Games Workshop. We're just critical, and we will call them out on things that they do. Uh, but on the other side of the scale... One of the other frequent things we say about Games Workshop quite frequently, and we were called out on this recently by our Patreon, uh, was Games Workshop's power creep. Uh, or specifically, I was called out on it. Because, and it was during a conversation, I think we were having a conversation on, on the actual Patreon Discord. Uh, well, the channel. Discord is for everybody, but there's a specific channel for Patreon. Um, and I actually looked this up. In the most recent tournament in the United States, um... The percentage of wins, like the ratios of like most successful armies, ranged from I believe it was forty-four percent success to sixty-one percent success. That is the most balanced forty k has been since it was created. In my opinion, I have never seen forty k that balanced, and I would argue that that is amongst the most balanced the industry has, which really surprises yeah. me because they don't try to keep their game balanced. Like, no, make no mistake, say, they don't try to do this. It's not one of their strategies. Yeah. I, I, I want to say it was three or four years ago. I think it was right before all of the uh, COVID and quarantine and stuff like that. Um, they did an update to Tyranids, and I there was, um, I want to say it was Bug Eater. Um, it wasn't quite half, but it was pretty close to half the entries that year were Tyranidless. Because that was the meta. That's what was unstoppable. Well, that's what they used to chase. I'm hoping that this is a direction change for the company and that my comments of they don't aim for this are something that's actually being taken away uh, because that would be a very positive change in the industry, for for them at least, anyway. Um, So, yeah, there we go. That's the the discussion. Um, Like... I am happy to see this. I genuinely thought that we weren't going to say... I thought... There was a point where I thought they were just blowing wind um, and that maybe they were going to give up on it. The other the other side of this that I haven't talked about, Kings of War by Mantic really took off when Fantasy died and is arguably, in my opinion, a better game than Fantasy was at the time and by a long shot. Kings of War is phenomenal. And very well balanced as well. Um, so they've also got to fight against that. I mean, yes, there is a crowd that'll go, ooh, but it's Mantic. But I'm sorry, it's probably the best. Kings of War is the best mass battle fantasy game on the market right now. Um, they've also got to 
fight against ninth edition, which is the community grown one. Now, granted, the new version of Blood Bowl did kill the community version of Blood Bowl, but there's no guarantee that Old World will do that to ninth edition. It'll be interesting to say. Uh, given that we're seeing previews, I, I'm going to say that this is going to hit next year. That's my prediction. Whether it's successful, I'm not going to make predictions on. Like, like I said, I think Games Workshop need to prove that there's room in the market for both games. Whether they intend to do that's another question. But killing Age of Sigmar for this, which is what that percentage of the audience is going to want to take from this conversation, because let's be fair, they're still raging even today. Rage of Sigmar is a Facebook page that exists for a reason. Follow it. It's hilarious. Um, um, don't, don't forget about the guy that took his entire like Dark Elf army and torched it. That's one, like, of, that's one of the things that inspired that Facebook page. Like That was a multi-thousand dollar army that dude had, and he covered it in an accelerate and lit it on fire because Games Workshop changed the game. Yeah. That's dumb. <laughs> There's a lot of dumb. Um, but look, so, it's going to be interesting to see. Like, like I said, that I'm not convinced that there's room enough for both, but time will tell. Socks, what's your opinion on all this? <laughs> Socks, are you on Socks, what's your... So... Oh, there we go. We'll, we'll discuss it more in the pit, in the Patreon because we've been talking about doing a... a... Well, no, no that's... I, I was, I, you're, it's you're, a, that's you're, irrelevant. You're... It's irrelevant. Yeah. So, so we'll move on to the next topic where Sox probably has more of an opinion because we're going to talk about Atomic Mass Games. Half of it. Yep. Half of it. Okay, okay, 50% of it, fine. The first one is Immortal Hulk for uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol. And uh, it's the best-looking Hulk they've done so far. Oh, my God, it is an amazing-looking Hulk. Like, this is what Hulk looks like. The the the, the 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 mop, the mop haircut on top. Yeah. And just, like... You know, the I'm ragged, smashing. This, the ripped jeans, the ripped shorts, jeans, whatever. And yeah, him pouting across the pavement, smashing yep. parking meters. And yeah. This like, is... the, only way this, the only way this pose gets better if he's holding a Loki. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I want somebody. To, I want somebody to put his feet here. So it looks like he's doing this. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be too hard because if you take like Holt's left hand and sculpt it so that Loki's right leg is in the hand with the foot sticking out. Yeah, that would be an awesome pose. I have to agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like this. Uh, it's it's a really really well done sculpt. Uh, it's based on a story where, long story short, um. Bruce is actively trying to end himself at this point because he doesn't want to become the Hulk again. And he gives Hawkeye a special arrow to kill him if he starts turning. Uh, and basically, they, they end up literally discovering that the Hulk is literally immortal uh, to the point where he essentially becomes like a walking zombie at one point. Uh, like, there's pictures of him where, like, half of his body is torn off and he's still going. Uh, it's quite brutal. Apparently the story itself is a fan favorite. I have not read it at this stage, but I know I should. Uh, also sure. from Atomic Mass Games, there's this game that we've been saying is dead for a very long time, but we have some news socks. Yeah. 
So yeah, um, my little local gaming community uh, that I have here in the Tampa region, uh, one of the guys posted that at Nova Open, Atomic Mass Games will actually be sanctioning the Armada tournament there. Whether so, hold on. First of all, can I say you know like how small is this gaming community in Tampa? I mean, Tampa is a metropolis there, Socks. Like, how small can it really be? I have a small gaming community. Okay, the, the local players that we have localized within my area, Tampa Bay, uh, there's six of us that play regularly at the store. We've got, we've got some new guys that are to show up. So that, That's for one type of game, though, right? Correct. The okay, Nova yeah, Open's that's... not small, though. The Nova, no, Nova Open, Open itself is quite big. Yeah, well, Dude. Nova Open will be up in Washington, D.C., so that's the, the con up there. Yeah. Um, but... Locally, our tournaments have been getting close to 24 players at our That's stores. pretty good, honestly. That is pretty so, good. But people so, will travel from up in the, from Tennessee. Sometimes some people will come, up, come down from New York. But anyways. Um, I, so, I, I'm just going to interrupt here real quick before I let you go into your spiel. I'm loving all the different types of... Like, there's some Warhammer tournaments that I would actually play in listed here. Like there's some things where it's just like no, I would I would deal with tournament shenanigans to play in this. So go ahead, Sock. Sorry. So, so yeah, with with them now saying they're going to sanction an Armada tournament, maybe they're it's not completely dead. Who knows? Maybe they um, have something that's coming next year or something. Yeah, they and they may have something to display. Nova Open is later this year, summertime frame, August, I believe so. Um, so who knows? Maybe they'll have something there to Second show edition. off. Um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of prize support they they give out. Um, so it's, it's going to be. It's I'm, a good thing to say for that community. I have to agree. Yeah, I'm holding out a little bit more hope for Armada. Yeah. Um. Somewhat recently, so. we um had my long-term review of the speed paint range come on. And as part of that, I kind of gave a few things that I was hoping to have happen for the uh, new set when it came out. Now, it's probably worth noting that some of the things I mentioned in that video, I kind of knew that was happening, and it wasn't really that secret. There were a few people like, oh, they're actually doing this. Did you know? I was like, yeah, I did know. That's why I mentioned it. Uh, there were other things that I was kind of like, I really want them to do this. Like, one of the examples was... There's this been there's been this idea with speed paint that um, the fact that you could reactivate it with water was a fault with the product um, or a, um, a mistake with it, but it was actually part of the design. It was designed that way on purpose. Uh, and on, honestly, I had absolutely no problem with it. I'm not saying that it didn't happen. I know that it did, uh, but if you knew how to use the paint, it was a non-factor. Like 100% a non-factor. My fear was just that the change to fix that problem, because the community didn't like it, and that's fine, um, would ruin the parts of it. Because you know how contrast does that horrible pooling thing, where you, like, especially on flat surfaces, where it just ends up looking really ugly? George? Yep. Yep. Army Painter does that a lot less. Like, significantly less. Um, so I, I was like, if they fix this, that's fine, but I don't want it to ruin the, uh, the actual appeal of speed paint. And they appear yeah, to have no, actually the... succeeded there, which is good. 
Yeah, I I um I don't like that idea of of water reacting in the paint, especially after you've gotten it onto the mini. Yeah, like it was. I want it to happen in the yeah. pot. I want that in the pot. Yes, I don't want that on the mini. No. I, yeah. Um, especially the parts of the world where you guys are at, where you know you do this thing called perspiring, and like <laughs> you drip sweat onto your mini, and all of a sudden you run your paint because yeah. it's hot. But you know what you can like, if you leave it if you leave it long enough, uh, it, it'll actually settle better. But also, there's this wonderful thing called varnish yeah. that you should Straight be covering your minis in. In the while you're in the process of painting it, uh, people do add it at times for certain things. Uh, I generally don't, but there are people that do that before yeah, they wash I, and so for for example. Yeah. yeah. No, like no, when no. it's done, yeah, I, I'm totally fine with that. But during the process, no. Mm. And, um, and so if you if you do a part of it and then you sweat on it and you have to redo it, you know. Yeah, one of the things that was one of the weak points for I think most people in the original line was that like the colored range was very limited. And one of the things that they were doing with second edition was that they were going to widen that range. So we're getting forty new colors in this new range. My hope was that that was going to be sold as a box set so that you didn't have to buy a box of this, which comes with three paints that I already have and then two that I don't, for example, which would be how Games Workshop would do it. Uh, but no, the, the mega paint for this set is literally giving you everything that doesn't already exist, uh, plus four of the more popular colours, which is really good. There's some really good bright colours in this, which is what we really needed. Um, there's also metallic speed paints which is an industry first yeah that's that's kind of interesting which so i saw this and i was just like ooh, and and i i started looking at this you can't see it too too well at the, this desk height my new uh um modular set for hobby zone can hold this entire paint set in it yeah i will be buying this like make no mistake i will be buying this i don't know exactly when it'll come in uh, but I will do a long-term review of this like I did the other one as well. Ooh, I just realized you have the perfect thing in your possession for this uh, this uh, paint set. Yes? You've been doing unboxing videos for it. Oh, yes, true. That is true. This doesn't release until April, though. So, we'll see. Well, darn skis. <laughs> it's all right. It'll happen when what it What was happens. that, Socks? What, what was that, Socks? You, you had a look on your face. Well, I was going to say, he can just hold off on painting all of his stuff until April when it actually releases. True. Yeah, just add to your pile of stuff you haven't painted yet. And your pile you of shame. Notice. <laughs> my, my pile of opportunity. That's, that's a good way to put it. I stole that line from somewhere. I don't remember where. Um, so, here's the thing. So, it's being sold for €179 Euro, or $199 US. So, or, difference in price, 179 euro is $191.83 US dollars. So that difference is actually not that bad, really. It's actually quite good. Uh, in Australia, we can't buy this directly from the Army Painter. We have to buy it from local stores. And I kind of saw something that worried me, so I reached out to Army Painter, not telling them why I was asking the question, but I, just, I reached out to Army Painter and was like, I noticed that we can't actually order from you guys. Is this a mistake, or is it something that can be fixed? So no, we don't have the ability to ship out to you guys at this stage. Uh, you would need to buy it locally. Uh, here's a couple of suggestions, essentially. I'm paraphrasing a lot. 
179 euros is $278.95 Australian dollar reduce. But if you want to buy it in Australia, we are being charged $369.99. Now, to be fair, I'm not directly pointing the finger at Army Painter for this because I don't know that it's their decision themselves. I'm blaming whoever the distributor is because usually in our country, it's the distributor that's responsible for this. Not always. Games Workshop make their own decisions, for example. Uh, but given the amount of times that we've called out Games Workshop for doing things like this, I felt it was only fair that I call it out for this as well. But I'm painting. So, I'm paying $90 more for this than I should be. Re really quick, because I, I, I did some reading. Yes, yes, I can do that. Uh, down at the bottom, it says, Note, launch price, 179 euro, 199 US dollar. From September 1st on, 189 euro, 210 US. What was the, the bottom? What, what was that? Hundred and, what was the euro amount? Uh, 100 and... Euro, 10 euros yeah, more. 10 euro oh, more, so 100, yeah. 189 so, euro, 210 US. So it makes a difference of like $5 or something. It, it's, yeah, that, that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I would almost bet I could probably order this, go to the local post office, post it to you, and it would still cost you less than what the Australia distributor is charging. I have a way of rent. Well, it is probably worth noting. Now, I'm going to do this calculation quickly while I'm talking. So this comes with 50 paints, correct? Yep. So yep. 369, let's just say $370, divided by 50. Okay, quick technical difficulty there. Bruce, go ahead with your calculations now. All right. So if I take $370, I'm rounding it up, and I divide that by 50, it works out to be 7.4. $7.40 per pot. roughly what these things actually sell for in the country yeah um, um I, real quick too army painter don't sell an 18 mil bottle of your medium sell a 180 mil bottle of your medium that is because if you're wanting that is fair that games workshop did it army painters doing it if this is the medium that this is the base for your speed paint to go on don't sell a little tiny bottle. Sell a giant one because we're going to use a lot of it with the speed paints. Yeah. I wonder if they do sell because they usually what ends up happening with companies is they'll sell a bigger one separately. But no, it doesn't look like these. It doesn't look like they do. The, the closest thing Games Workshop did, and I guarantee you, Army Painter's going to do it. They sold a rattle can. And I'm sorry. Give me a giant bottle to run through my airbrush. Don't make me buy 12 bottles of this to go through my air, you know, just give oh, me one you, big bottle. Like... I know what you're talking about. You're talking about that stupid thing that they used to try and pretend was an airbrush. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, Wait, where's it? Th there's, there's... Sell me a bottle this big of your medium. Yeah. How like I said, I raised this specifically because we've called out everybody else on it. It was only fair that I raised this as well. I do have a plan to get around this. Uh, I will talk to you guys about that off the air. In fact, I think I already did. Um, so I will be getting this in. And if you look around within Australia, you can find this cheaper 
than retail price. That's completely irrelevant to this conversation, but you can. People in the UK can find these cheaper and discounted as well. It's completely irrelevant to the topic on hand. I know that I'm, I'm raising this because it's one of the things I get called out on regularly when we talk about this with Games Workshop. The fact that you can buy Games Workshop at a cheaper than retail price doesn't change the fact that we get ripped off in this country frequently. And it's not the store's fault either, so please don't go to your stores trying to make demands that they meet. It's, this is a thing that's being done by the distributor. Your local store has no control over it at all. They're, they're, they're getting hit by the distributor too, most likely, probably. Yes. Also, we're a much smaller market here in Australia than what the US and Army Painter is. We don't have the buying power, generally speaking, I speak with your wallet by all means, but in the grand scheme of things, even if the whole country did that, it's not probably going to make a huge difference. Yeah. Um, Grey importing is your way around. TT Combat. Combat. Yep. Who are they? I don't know who they are. <laughs> so we've got a few things coming Hi, out this month. Oh, Lewis. Louis. What are you? Well, Lewis is not with them anymore. He I know. Up. We miss you, Lewis. We do. But he still listens to us, probably. Uh, he does. Yes. He does. He does still listen. Uh, he, agrees on, he agrees with us on a certain couple of things that we said. Um, but we will talk about that another time when he's with us. Anyways, Drop Fleet's getting two small space stations. Yeah. Which look pretty cool. I, I love these. Uh, the rules are out for them. We're not discussing the rules today. We will discuss those in a future episode. Uh, and trust me, it's worth having that conversation. Like, big time, it's worth having that conversation. So, specifically, this is a UCM and a Scourge space station. It is a kit where you can build multiple different things, as you would expect, and that's kind of the way that it is with these. There's two different ones. There's a couple of different layouts. Um, and the Scourge actually have one of their own this time, not just uh, Scourge bits that add on to other kits, which I like. No, I like the Scourge looking one. Yeah. Um, I like how it, it gives you a couple of variants for the UCM one where you can build yeah. what, either launch bays or huge torpedoes. Yeah. Which I want a, I want a third variant. What would you I'm like sorry? the third variant to be? The uh, torpedoes being able to be pointed straight down. At its own ship? No, at the surface. Nuclear bombardment. True. Torpedoes direct to torpedoes move and direct themselves though, so they would just go out and then back down again. Sure. Yeah, but the look of it pointing pointing down like the the Thor's Thor's hammer uh, 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 satellite idea. True. I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't just build it that way. Yeah, but sculpt it like that, so I just put build it out of the box. But flip it upside down and then build it so that like flatten out that bottom section, the back section. Yeah. So. Like, if this is the back. Like, you flatten that out, well, I, and then you just glue it I know that what way. You're I know what you're saying. Well, yeah. I really, li I really like these, honestly. I, I think they look amazing. Uh, I have looked at the rules, and the rules for these are very interesting. Um, I haven't given thought to competitive play yet, but I wouldn't be entirely surprised if people actually... Like, this is probably the first thing in a while that people will actually look at and go, I might actually have a look at that. Now, the downside with any game when it comes to paying for terrain, I mean, it's not terrain, but 
uh, is that, like, once it's placed, generally speaking, they can't move. So avoiding them becomes obviously the way around them. But I still yeah. like these. I mean, you can't entirely avoid torpedoes forever. Not entirely. I I I, I can see that for the, the casual and the friendly, the friendly type of thing, for sure. Mm-hmm. But as far as, like... There we go. But as far as, like, a tournament play and stuff like that, I really don't see, like, a place or room for a a pointed terrain for your army in a tournament. Mm-hmm. Unless you use it as, like, a small space... I mean, since they're, they're portraying these as a small space station, yeah. you can have larger or smaller-sized space stations as your objectives, and so you could use these as... I think that's, that, that is the way that they're intended to be used, I believe, yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's coming out this weekend is we've got some new dropships and gunships for the UCM on Drop Zone. So we have the Ferrum, sorry, Ferrum Raven dropship, which looks really cool. A couple of different variants. Recast it's possible, Because they yeah. used to have something similar to these in, in the 1.0. Uh, we also have... Uh, nope, not that. Where is it? We also have the gunships. Yeah, which is like, it's literally the same thing, but it's got guns instead of the drop. Nice looking kits, honestly. I, I like them. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we also... very um. I was going to say it has a very Starship Trooper-esque look with the whole, like, you know, the... It's the, you got the little command center, and then you got the big bay of like all the troops and stuff there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also have some terrain coming, which is not a shock because it is one of their other big things. We have a whole heap of things for fairgrounds and circus type terrain. One of which is, I'm sorry, I love the funhouse. The funhouse looks awesome. Um, it it's literally called haunted funhouse. I mean. To me, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, this is just going to be for the Joker. Because why would it not be for the Joker? But you could also use this for um, Don't Look Back. Or, well, anything, really. Anything modern or fantasy-esque, anyway. Could, could you imagine running a game of Infinity in a uh, theme park like this? <laughs> oh, that'd be so much fun. I, I really um... like this. I really like what they've done here. With the exception of fantasy mm-hmm. uh, and, and then that's just because a couple of the, the shapes of the buildings Th- this this theme park terrain is quite literally viable in just about any sort of setting even including wild west exodus uh in the fantasy realm i would say you could fit this into malifaux quite easily it's essentially victorian horror anyway i i, I don't i wouldn't qualify uh fantasy as uh victorian era i would qualify fantasy as you know knight's armor that kind of thing that's fair that's fair so uh yeah i you could go as far back as you know like like i said wild west exodus that's around the same time as your victorian era horror stuff yeah but yeah i i think this is really really cool and fun that you know hey here's a ferris wheel here's a carousel here's some Uh, fairground games i i really like the fact that this has been designed with like boards to like go over the windows and stuff to make this essentially a 
a working. All you'd need to do is take those boards off. Um, I mean, the inside of it obviously looks worn and stuff as well, but you could very easily put a film over that or paint it just so that it looks like a mirror or something. Uh, but I, I really, really, really like this. I, I've got... I, I literally have paint that can do that, Bruce. True, true. You'd have to get it flat first, though. Which is not... You just have to put some green stuff over it or some plastic out over it. I would probably go plastic out, personally. Yeah. Um, I also quite like the carousel. I mean, the carousel's a little bit more simple, but that's fine. Uh, really nice size, though. It works really mm -hmm. nicely. The generic fairground stalls. So this is just like scatter terrain, essentially. Um, I, I quite like the popcorn booth. It, it does feel very circusy, fairgroundy. Um, strongman thing is really cool as well. I like the little um, the use of the Rumble Slam characters in the put your face through this thing that's always at these places. The standee things, I quite like those. They are literally characters from Rumble Slam. 100% that's what they are. So I can definitely see a Rumble Slam table with just like commentary desk and everything around it as well. Like somebody making like a full-on table just for this tiny little, tiny little, like people used to do with Blood Bowl, where it's like the game is only like X big, but they will make an arena this big just to show it off. I can definitely see that happening. And then finally... Nope, nope, that's it. Sorry, I thought there was another thing. No, there is. There's a Ferris wheel. Which I quite like as well. The Ferris wheel is the one that they showed off in the preview. Um, but, yeah. I, I think the haunted... The haunted house is my favourite. I like the carousel. You like the carousel? The carousel is your favourite? Yeah. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a line of sight, yet not line of sight terrain. It is, yeah, that's true. It's, it's why it's such the trope in the movies of like the gunfight with the carousel because sometimes you have line of sight sometimes you don't I yeah. would love to see somebody write some rules for how that actually works but I'm, I'm guessing you would just it's kind like, of pick it up and turn it so much every turn right exactly uh, Socks given that we're giving favourites do you have one? Uh, the fairground stalls I just like all the quirky little games yep that go along with it, the whack-a-mole, the, the little ring toss or whatever it is. So, Yeah, it, it's just fun. It's just yeah. fun. Uh, and last but not least, we got a preview of something new that's coming for the Resisti. They're getting a new track walker. This is probably the most advanced-looking thing I've seen for the Resistance so far. I mean, it still has that kind of we've-thrown-this-together type look but it doesn't look quite as ruined as the rest of their stuff. Uh, I no, this, get... this looks pretty well well put together, in my opinion. This looks like on par with like the helicopter and the um, hmm. their uh, intercept jet thing. To me, this kind of feels like this is one of the things that, like, this is something that used to be really powerful. We have found this um, probably in a factory somewhere unused, and, like, we've got, like, X amount of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, now that you mentioned, look at the claws and stuff like that, this has a very, like, Ellen Ripley from Aliens vibe. Yeah. With the uh, loader Repurposed. Yeah. yeah. So, so, it is properly put together, but it was not initially designed for what the Resisti are using it for. Yeah. That's the feel it has for me, anyway. 
Uh, we don't have a release on this at this stage. It, this is a work in progress that they've shown off earlier in the week. I, I, I really like this. Uh, I can almost see this as like an, in an underground mining system where the claws, yeah. instead of having claws, having drills. But they just took the drill part off and yeah. fabricated the, the claws portion of it. Either one. I mean, I, either example could be very valuable. Yeah. Theories behind <laughs> how they came about this. But it it does look cool. I I do like it. Yeah. The little missile pod rack on top of it. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, the, uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about was on Tabletop actually had their industry awards this year. Uh, sorry, um, last week. Um, so on Tabletop is like one of like the two or three biggest names in this space. I mean, obviously much bigger than we are. Um, we do have a section on their website, which is really cool. Um, we'll talk more about that later. Um, but they do an a annual awards this year, and basically they're trying to change it up this year where basically it was them giving the awards and it wasn't specifically being voted on from the community. Um, my opinion, I believe that one of the main reasons they did that is that there's actually a few companies that are doing the whole community vote award thing now, and so this was kind of... Because they are a really big space, um, and they have a lot of very experienced people uh, there that actually get listened to, so it's not like they don't have a voice that's actually worth it. Um, so they did a couple of different categories. Best terrain, uh, we had the Fade Light Brutal Cities terrain. That was the terrain that we looked at at one point last year that kind of had the half-see-through walls and stuff. There was some pre-painted World War II terrain from MicroArt Studios. That's the one that won. Uh, and there was some stackable shacks, which is very much like your sci-fi, your ruined sci-fi, where it's like shipping containers kind of stacked on each other for houses type look. Um, much like TT Combat had a set of those recently. Mm -hmm. uh, these particular ones were resin, which was a little bit different. In role-playing games, we had Crescendo of Violence by Offspray Games. Uh, the One Ring, second edition, by Free League, which is the same company that did the Alien game that's really good. Uh, that's what won. And Iron Sword by... Sorry, Iron Sword Starforged by Tomkin Press. Uh, in card games, we had Marvel Dice Throne, War of the Ring, and Wingspan Asia. Wingspan Asia is what won there. Uh, I haven't played Wingspan. I have had good things. I've just not played it. We have it. We actually really enjoy it. Yep, so. you have the original. I do have the original, and I we pick up we just picked up Asia too, and that one is a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, best gaming accessory: the three we had in there was Call of Cthulhu 3D prop set. We had the box of adventure uh, from Loke Battle Mats. That's like it's a book that has like tabletop uh, maps for D and D games. Uh, that's what won, and the other one was the Speed Paint Range by Army Painter. Um, which doesn't, I mean, it was it was a pretty big success, really, so it doesn't surprise me to see it there. Uh, board game-wise, Oathsworn, Into the Deepwood by Shadowborn Games, ISS Vanguard by Awaken Realms, which is the same people that I, did. Yeah? I, I, I was going to say I have a copy of that coming. Oh, nice. Uh, and the winner was Undaunted Stalingrad, which really doesn't surprise me because it feels like everybody was talking about that last year. 
Um, the next one is a bit of an interesting one. Remember how I was saying earlier that Games Workshop aren't even in, like, best games talk? Well, they're not even in the top three here. So, Mantic Games have Firefight 2nd Edition, which is another game that everybody started talking about out of nowhere last year. Um, and that, that is what won. Uh, Five Leagues from the Borderlands was also in there. And 0200 Hours by Grey for Now Games, which is a game we looked at recently. That was the one that had the um, Alolo people in it that I was talking about. Well, they're Alolo people to me. Um, nice to see Mantic actually get something there, which is nice, because they get a lot, they get ignored by a lot of people. Uh, and then Best Indie. We're not looking at indie, an indie today, but we will be looking at the winner of this next episode. Uh, so Winglaf Miniatures was there, because they also do an Indie of the Week, they call it, and yes, it is what inspired me to start doing doing one as well. Uh, Modulorca was the winner, which is basically, it's a free game that you can play. Well, it's, it's free. Um, where it's, it's Orcs versus Orcs, uh, but there's different breeds of Orcs, and it's, it's very much, it's basically very strategy. We'll be going through that next episode. And Temple of the West as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that, was, that, was, their, um, that was their award system. Uh, I thought it was very much worth it. I, I really enjoyed going through and watching it. It is an episode I'd recommend. It was on their YouTube channel last year. So, like I said, I thought it was worth the discussion. Next on the list, getting tabled. Yes. So I said we'd come back to our 100th episode stuff later. So. It's later. <laughs> it is. So Getting Tabled originally started as George going, you know what, I want to do something on my own. Uh, and then I kind of went, well, you know what, I'm going to follow you. Uh, because I, we've never really discussed it, honestly. Like, we haven't. And I am going to go here. You left Hot LZ because you were basically doing 90% of the work. And it was kind of, it was only really us three and Levi that was ever showing up for the recordings. Well, the last few months, it was just literally the three of us showing up. And at one point, it was a, it was a stand recording, and both you and the major were both busy. And I said, hey, no one else is showing up. Let's go. There's, you know, three other people. Yeah. And nothing. Yeah. Yeah, so like we've so, never really talked about it because we don't like being overly negative about that sort of stuff. Like we're very proud of what we achieved in Hot LZ, and the Hot LZ at that point had kind of honestly, let's be fair, it had kind of gotten to the point where it was like, what else are we going to talk about anyway? Um, and both George and I for a while were kind of we had that itch of we'd like to talk about the rest of our hobby, not just drop fleet one, all the time. One side of it, yeah, yeah. Um, and and so, um, so we, George after, and I, for like a matter of three or four weeks, sat down. So, like, what are we going to do? I believe I came up with getting tabled, the name. Uh, I'm pretty sure I that was me. I, I was. I went in the direction of tabled because you know that's the more common phrase of it. You know, I just got tabled. Yep. But there's someone else that already had that, and I think I tossed getting tabled like. Okay, let's, you know, I, I think I think you put us in that direction, and I think I ultimately found getting tabled was not used by anyone. Yeah. And I said, holy crap, we have to jump on this now. Yeah. Because it was a no really good inside it. joke. 
especially with the way that I tend to be in gaming. Now, we're yeah. doing all of this talking about me and George. Why is Sox not being included? Well, Sox wasn't part of it originally. But he, he was, in a, he was, he in was a literally country, in another though, country. He was in a tent. Yeah. He was in five-star accommodation at the time. <laughs> um, now, ironically, were you there for episode one? I think you were there yeah, for I episode was. one. Yeah, I he showed up for episode one, one. yeah. He, yeah. he, I had to wake up at four o'clock in the morning or something like that to, to get there. But yes, I was there for episode one. Yeah. So yeah, the reason, and I actually acknowledged this on our website recently as well. I actually talk about the history and that he joined us later because I mean, the podcast hadn't started yet. He did join us before it started, but it, it did start as something that George and I did. Um, so that's where it all started. Since which, then, which, um, yep. I, I was, I was, I'm also going to throw the very first episode we recorded. We actually managed to do this to where we recorded the first episode on April 1st. Yes. Yes. So that is true. It, so I, I think that's a great, you know, you know, like starting point of this, like, you know, it, it's like the games workshop, you know, talking about the Voton. We did it on April 1st. It's not yeah. a joke, folks. We did this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's literally how we announced it, too. Was that it's to, going to be on know, April like 1st and it's not a people. joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. And here we are almost four years later. I mean, yeah. episode 100 now. Pretty is... much. So, 12,793 plays in 50 countries. That's according to SoundCloud. That does not include anything on YouTube, which was started much later. Uh, YouTube has 466 subscribers. That hasn't grown as fast as I would have liked to have, but it, it is getting there. It is. It has like a nice steady growth at this point. There's not really been much in the way of dips and troths or anything it's just been really nice and steady uh we have thirty-eight thousand and one views i find that one view hilarious three thousand this is that time of recording by the way oh yes yeah all of these stats are taken straight from the website three thousand five hundred and sixty point seven hours of viewing time on our youtube in the order of views most of our views come from the u.s followed by the UK, followed by Australia, followed by one that still baffles me, Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, mean, I love that it's there, but it's just, I find it really odd that we have a really large fan base in Germany because we don't speak German. Now, I know that there's a lot of people in Germany that speak English. I just, I just I find it amazing that we have such a large following there. Uh, and the other one is Canada, which doesn't surprise me as much. And neighbors to the north. Yeah, well, your neighbours to the north. My, our north, exactly. Uh, we've had a lot of very proud moments. Um, our most listened episode is one of those moments, which is our interview with Lewis Clark. Uh, that is an interview that was four, five years in the making, pretty much. Yeah, like, we, we were wanting to do this back when it was Hot LZ. Like, we want to talk to yeah. one of y'all. You know, and we always got, like, the little moments here and there with, you know, I had a friend, he went to Las Vegas Open, he was able to chat with Dave for a few minutes, uh, Nigel, one of Jane the Hot LZ guys, you know, he, he got to talk with Lewis, yeah, you got to talk to Lewis Dave, and Gen Con. or yep. yeah, Dave, yeah, sorry. You know, so I mean, you know, it's like, we've been doing this, you know, but to actually get him to sit down before dinner and, and do what we do here and you know, answer our questions, and the best part about that was he said... I'll, I'll either say no, I can't talk about this, but I'm nothing's off limits. Just ask questions. 
Yeah, pretty much. So, and and that that was the one great thing is just like you know that was his way of saying I'm not going to not tell you anything. Yes, he, he did dance around a couple of things. Uh, Drop yeah. Squad being one of them, because there was nothing in Drop Squad at that stage, but it was something that had been discussed. Because uh, we always ask about it. <laughs> um, to the point where, like at that stage, like he kind of like. If I was to be doing it, this is what I would do. Um, and he, like, he, he laid it out, which is like the sort of stuff that we spoke about since, which is uh, like drop zone part of that. Because drop zone to drop fleet, drop fleet, get the grounds on the troops, and then that's where drop zone is. In drop zone, you get your people in the buildings to find the packages. Maybe that's where drop squad will be. Now, we don't know that at this stage. I, I know that that's not the only place that it's going to take place because they feel that it's too small of a place to design a whole game around. Uh, as in, like, it would be too limiting for missions and stuff. I, I agree be... with that, but I, th- yeah. I, yeah. I think there needs to be, like, at least 35% of the missions need to be something like that. Where it's inside and not just space. Like, w- w- and not just one floor. Like, have it multi-floor, you know, so it's like... You I know, want it you to be go up and down the floors. Yeah. 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 Um... So yeah, that, that is still our most watched episode. Sorry, our most listened to episode. Our what most watched video for a very long time was a very random video with you buying a paint shaker. That was like for the first year and a half of our YouTube, <laughs> that video, and it's a terrible video, was, oh, was God, in like... lead of everything. These days it's our Red, Gar- Red Grass Gaming review, which I still think is probably the best review we've done. Uh, yeah, some of the first stuff when we were like dipping our toes into the YouTube stuff. Um, oh my god, that's I really don't hate look at back on that early stuff. It's so cringeworthy, so cringeworthy. Like, but hey, we have gotten better. Look, here's the thing, and like, I, I, it's it's a mission of mine to make us look as professional as we possibly can, uh, and the fact that I have essentially done that. On a shoestring budget, I'm very, very proud of that. Like my income uh, is not big. <laughs> so, so uh, another channel, you know, where it's like, you know, they've they've really recently taken off. Um, they they've got the uh, the Paint Hub uh, Facebook group, Bruce. Mm-hmm. But that channel is, you know, that here the last couple of years, it's really gotten big and like has taken off. You mean uh, Faux Hammer? It, yes. Yeah. And looking at some of the setups of like. Uh, 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 like they were just doing a painting session, you know, getting ready. They had a huge DSL camera with like all the stuff here and another camera here. And it's like, that's an expensive setup. Yeah. We are nowhere near that. And we're doing stuff pretty close. All of my film is filmed on either a webcam or my phone. All of it. I, I, I'm pretty luxurious on the fact that I have, you know, uh, three GoPros that can do 4K. Like, yeah. And that's, that's still, if you look at how much DSL cameras and stuff like that, that's still pretty cheap. Yeah. Oh, yeah, big time. Um, I mean, I looked at DSL. I tried buying a second-hand DSL to try and pick up, and I just, I just in the end, it wasn't worth it because I was it's like, yeah, no, this doesn't do what I thought it was going to. Uh, I would need to buy a more expensive one. I'm going to continue doing what I was doing. And I then I found, like, better arms and stuff that works much better until I broke it and then had to replace it. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's that's a large part of it. Uh, I wanted to quickly talk about some of our proud moments as well. As much as 
I really don't like sitting here and big nighting. I mean, we're not big nighting ourselves. We're still tiny. Like, we really are. But I'm proud of how far we've gotten, despite the fact that we are pretty much no one. Like, no- as, I, as I put it, you know, we went from being a big fish in a small uh, small pond with Hot LZ. Yep. Like, there was, uh, uh, no, uh, orbital bombardment. But they were sketchy and... Like, they hadn't done anything in months when we first started. And then we, we started doing consistently. Mm. And then um, Command Value 1? I think that's the they one that had one of the stuff. staff members join, I think. Uh, or is that the uh, other one? He became, he became a staff member. Yeah. And then the other one was Scanners Offline, which we did a... Uh, we did a joint uh, thing with, yeah. We did a, um, a collaborative episode with them. Yeah. Um, and at that point, when Commanding Value 1 and Scanners Offline, because at that point, Orbital Bombardment had done like an episode on Drop Fleet, mm. uh, we were getting more plays per episode than Scanners Offline and Command Value 1 had. Yeah. We've never so reached we the numbers big... of Hot LZ at, the, yeah. at this stage. You know, yeah, we, we went from being a very big fish in a, a very small pond to a very small fish in a very big pond. Mm. And to do what we're doing at that scale... I still think we're doing phenomenally well. Um, sorry to call you out on this, George, but there was a point in time where you really struggled with that. The fact that we didn't take off like Hot LZ did. Yeah, no, and for sure. Well, it, and it was the kind of thing of like, you know, this is what I was used to doing. Oh, why am I not seeing this? Why is it not and, working? You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, again, you know, we had a very captive audience. When we launched Hot LZ, there was no one else. Literally. And it was the like, new hotness at the time when we were doing it too. Like we started yeah, doing it yeah. as the game was launching. Like Kickstarter fulfillment was still happening when we started. I got doing my that. boxes as we were recording episodes. Same. Yeah. So Kickstarters. Um, proud moments. I mean, I've already listed mine there. We've already talked about one of them. Uh, I know George mentioned our interview with Mel as well. And let's be fair, it's because Mel Bose's uh, terrain cheater is uh, that that was a pretty big deal for us. Well, and the fact that he was just like, yeah, I haven't been, uh, you know, as active. I should probably we get just back got luck. There, Honestly, you know? we just got lucky there. Yeah, it was just like, hey, we got one, Mel. You want to come chat with us? And he was like, yeah, sure. And that was that was as good uh, a chemistry episode as I would say, like talking with Lewis, who who knows us and we know him the episode with mel had that same level of almost familiarity without really knowing him but mel had no idea who we were pretty much and to be fair uh, i think my editing hides this a little bit but he came into that expecting that he was just going to be part of the podcast he wasn't expecting an interview (laughs) so given uh, the the chemistry came across quite well in that i felt and and given like he hadn't really Come into it because he, I mean, he knows that he has a following, but he doesn't really think of himself as one of those people. He's just another person on YouTube, as far as he's concerned. Um, so I mean, that that was that was a pretty big moment for us. Um, socks. He still hasn't told us what he's doing the second book yet. I don't know if we will see another one. <laughs> what do you do? You remember his response when I asked him that, though? Not specifically. Oh, it, it was one of those, like, you know, those, those moments of, like, you know, you tell your buddy, buddy to, you know, jog on because that is, you know, oh, the yeah. worst idea ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it had been pretty taxing on him. 
Uh, I think Socks, you were the one that mentioned... Was it you that mentioned the getting the... Like, we actually have YouTube.com slash getting tabled now? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I mentioned that too. Was that you? Yeah. Which, um, I mean, that that's a thing in itself right there for, you know, you to be like, hey, you got enough stuff, here's your own URL. Yeah. Yeah. Like... <laughs> And I mean, yes, it's a really small thing. Like some people get to the hundred very quickly. We didn't. We we had a very slow grind because none of us work in the industry. None of us have names that people recognize. Uh, we, like for most people, came out of nowhere and people had to find us. We're also not a channel that wants to, like we deliberately don't spam ourselves out there. Like I, There's groups that I will share our stuff in but I'd only share my stuff in Facebook groups, A, when it's relevant to that group, otherwise I won't, uh, or B, if they've given permission. Like, for example, yeah. Drop Fleet and Drop Zone, that the, the Drop communities gave us permission to always post there. I still don't post everything in there. I will only do with the podcast because it's relevant, uh, but I think that's a big factor. Um, we've kind of just grind it and we got through um oh and and the fact too that you know we're in three different locations and we don't interact with a lot like a lot of other groups and channels do where it's like you know they yeah. can all sit down in the same room yep and one of us moves every two to three years and we time zones have to change yeah based on my location when when we started Illinois, when we started yeah. i was on shift work yeah that, that was too. really hard careful I, how you say that bruce what shift work? Yeah, the, enunciate shift. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was when we first started this, I would try and chime in. I mean, I, we were lucky enough for me to get on the first episode, and I would I would try to yeah. get on every couple other episodes during the first six months before I came back to the states. But I mean, yeah, us working around your your schedule and and then me moving around a couple of years has been amazing at that as yep. well big time uh, i mean the, the changing of time for the recording didn't affect me as much it probably affected george more than me george more than anybody um like to me it was actually easier because it meant that i didn't have to get up so early i could actually sleep in a little bit or i actually have time to go and get coffee in the morning if i want to have a real coffee uh, as opposed to i wake up i boil the kettle i make my coffee i sit down and now i pretend that i'm awake which is what used to happen um, but yeah, so that it, it's been a long road, um, but it's, I don't think I would change that. I'm kind of, for three people that have never met, nope. our banter has nope. always been fairly natural. Yes. Uh, and this is not going to make a lot of sense to people within the US, probably more so otherwise. Like United States, like the fact that you both have military history is I feel why our banter is so successful. Because most Americans yes. don't get sarcasm quite frequently. It, it just go, it either goes over their head or they take it too serious and get, get upset by it. Um, because it's just, it's not largely in American comedy. Like Friends is like one of the first major shows that dealt with sarcasm. Um, and I mean, even today, like, it, I mean, it is there a little bit, but not like, if you watch, an Amer if you watch a UK comedy, sarcasm's all the way through it you don't generally yep. get that in the u.s as much uh which is not it's not a hit on the u.s it's just different sites of humor 
Well, the, the reason for that is, you know, with the chain of command, you can't actually have a sense of humor, so you have to have a sense of humor without having a sense of humor. <laughs> it it kind of gets, like, military, medical, and police all end up going in that direction for that exact reason. It's also one, it's the, one of the coping mechanisms. Unless, of course, you live in a five-star hotel and never actually see any any real real thing to do either. Hey! <laughs> five-star hotel anytime! It was sure. a five-star tent and you know it. <laughs> Sorry, my, my mistake sucks. I take that back. It was seven-star. Uh, yeah. If we ever have uh. mer- if we have, have ever have merch, I want a shirt that says something about socks staying in a five-star hotel. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. So there, there we go. Um... <laughs> We had a lot of proud moments. I, I'm very proud of everything that we did do. Well, and now we have a sponsor, Valhalla Hobby. I mean, true. So we've and and our we've gotten our own dot com now. So we've, and we've we wouldn't have ways. it without them, quite frankly. No, uh, it probably would have been another twelve months before we got to that point. Otherwise, um, probably. Like the, the the reason that we jumped on that when we did is because he approached us. Um, we will be talking more about Valhalla Hobby a little bit later. Dream, blue, prime, paint. George, it said, according to the run sheet, George, you're still on Thanksgiving. What's, what's going on? Oh. <laughs> that, was, that was four months ago. <laughs> Doesn't say so, that at uh, all. I, I got my um, uh, custody box put together and I started putting some, some paint down. Uh, shiny. Very, very shiny. Little, little too bright, shiny, but no, right? Well, but the, the custodies, right? Gold boy, so it needs to be shiny. So here's the chrome base. This is what I was talking about for the uh, funhouse mirrors. Because yeah. you could, it, it's quite literally mirror surface. So here's the first one, and I'm actually going to move these guys back, and I'm going to turn my phone camera on. Um, it's also my first time working with uh, paint on masking which I'm quite happy with how that turned out. So here's the commander in his glory. And it's got the gold enamel on him, on top of the chrome. And I put masking on his little, uh, let's see if I could get turned this way, Uh, around the shield. I love how this doesn't focus as well. And on the axe head. It's because of the light, but it's because of the light of your monitor. I have that problem sometimes too. Yeah. So I painted that on. I sprayed the the gold enamel on to make him look like a gold boy, and um, it peeled right off. Let's see if we can. Nice. Yeah, it does look nice. So, and I think this is going to look really good. Uh, I'm gonna you. Try to primarily use my uh, scale 75 paint range on it, which, as we know, scale 75 is matte as all get out. Oh, like, yeah. Like, there is no it's shine. It's ultra matte. So, I, I think, like, the, the red cloak being super matte with the shiny gold armor, I think that's going to be, like, a really good visual contrast of the mini. Now, don't get me wrong, for you guys out there that are, like, super skilled at non-metallic metallic, this just looks so cool being like, I'm shiny and gold. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm not gonna lie, this is part of the reason why I wanted to do a Custody Army is because I found this paint system that you've been talking do... about it since you found it. Oh god, yeah. Well, I'm doing it now. So, um, Ben and I suggested something during the week, which was yeah, making uh... all of the gold stuff red, white, and blue. Yeah, which the the amount of masking that would take would drive me insane more than I already am. Um, I would have had to order blue enamel. I already had red and the uh, yellow and green for some reason. Uh, that was for some drop fleet stuff before I found out that, oh, the the chrome and the whatnot eats away normal paint. That's not going to work. Yeah. So um, the headache I had last night was atrocious. I also had a mask on. I had my ventilation fan going. And let's see if, I, yeah. I don't know if you can see the... Oh, God. Right? Yeah, you needed to have worn... Yeah, you should have changed that at some point. Well, well, no, that's not the worst part. So right here and right here were painted black. Oh, God. Yeah, By so lacquer it would have It would have seeped in. Mm -hmm. Your mask would so, have actually... Because the other here's the other problem. Those masks don't work properly with a beard. Well... Yeah, because it's down here, but it was all up here. And I was sitting back like this. Like, I was yeah. arms, arms length, I'd still do that. So, in order to get that off my nose, I literally took toilet paper, stuffed it up my nostrils, took a makeup cotton swab, you know, the one, one of the round flats, saturated that with acetone, and started wiping my nose off in, in little rapid things. And I, I survived. Yeah. I have fewer brain cells now, but I, I survived. Um, it, it is great paint for the effect. Um, spend the $200 on an actual respirator mask if you're going to use the stuff, though, folks. Yeah. Um, that being said, now the chrome paint that you put on is nowhere near as bad, it's just the primer. Also, the chrome paint you go through it super quick. So, um, I did not get to my trees yet. Uh, I do have some time, but I am also leaving town on Wednesday to actually go to the office, so. What? Someone who teleworks has to go to the office? Oh, yeah. bummer. I have to travel to Rapid City, South Dakota to go to the office, so. <laughs> Is your office because you have to go to another party again? Because that's the only time you've gone in so far. Well, the, the, the party is on Friday as well, so. I love the fact that I was right. <laughs> George. You get, a lot of, you get a lot of Masters of the Universe there, my friend. Yeah, it's, it's a real pain to have to show this off to George because it's not like he's in so much pain having to wait for his. It's a real shame. So this has been what my last week and a half has been. Uh, filming openings for this. All of this is filmed. Most of the videos are out at this stage. I decided fairly last minute that I was just going to go, you know what? No, all of this week is going to be He-Man. So I, I released one video a day. Um, at this stage... At this stage, the Evil Horde comes out on Monday and the terrain will come out on Tuesday. Um, I'm still deciding if it's worth doing a video for the mat or not. As in the mat that comes with the game. I would do it with the terrain. Yeah. That'd probably be a good idea. I mean, the issue is, is that at the end of the day, it's just a neoprene mat version of 
what came in the box. Lord. So is it really well, even worth it? My, so, so my what, plan at this stage is I was not going to bother talking about it until we do our final roundup. So at this stage, mm. our plan is that George and I, once George has his, we're going to do like a final review type thing once he's had a chance to open it and have a look. Uh, and by that time, I will have played the game enough times to have a decent opinion of it, um, whether it be good or so, bad. So, so here's my thoughts, Bruce. Yep. Do a normal unboxing of the terrain, but... It's open already it filmed. It's already about, up. Oh, I was going to say, redo it then and open it by talking about the mat, laying it out, and then doing the terrain unboxing on the neoprene mat. That's the point. Okay, I'm not going to do it in the terrain, but I know when I'm going to do it. That's fine. Okay. So, um, but yeah, and that's what I'm saying, like the that Speed Point 2.0 for Army Painter, you know, if you want to try to do a, a Speed Paint, like, you know, review of it, I think this game, Masters of the Universe, with its bright colors, its outlandish figures, because let's be honest, you got Beastman who's orange, you got Mossman who's green, you got the snakes that are multicolored. I mean, you, you would be able to test the entire range on yeah. this game, no problem. Yeah, pretty much. So. Yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah. But you'd have to wait. So I, I I, I still think that'd be a really good test of it, though. Socks. I know you haven't been doing any hobby, but. Is there anything? Stop the presses. You... Stop the presses. Sometimes going to stop the presses because uh, Socks is going to be getting something. One, one second. This part of the recording has been redacted. Talk nerdy to me. All right. So, we've been doing this with everybody else. It's time to have a look at the Shaltari. So, I'm going to bring up the starter set for Drop Zone. The Shaltari starter set, because that's who we're talking about. It's time for some Shaltanigans. Evil out of Shaltanigans. Yep. So, in the starter army. It's, this is another one where it's huge. It's, this is literally two of the old... Excuse me, of the old one, but with, some, with an extra model. So you get... Wait, where's the list? This is all plastic. Uh, the next one we talk about will not be all plastic. Sorry, it's all plastic bar one. The extra model is a resin kit. Um, Why can I not? Which one are oh, we there on? We the go. starter army? Shaltari starter. Start. So yeah. we got six, six anti-tank tomahawks, six... Cookery double uh, anti-aircrav tanks, twelve bases of Braves, um, and you get six medium gates, six Haven terror gates, um, which allows you to transfer because these guys can teleport and stuff because they're horrible. And then, why can't awesome. I is it the Dymo? It's is the Dymo? It's the Dymo is the leader. Dymo, commander. Yep. So. Yeah, you're getting a lot in this. It's really, really nice. And yes. lots of yellows, lots of oranges. Uh, the Diamo is the big gate thing, right? Yes, that's yeah. the, the, the gate on the stand, on the infantry stand, yes. Yeah, I thought so. I'll just double checking. All right. So, in our previous roundups, we have been going through and we've been picking... Two models each, when there's three of us, um, to add something to the army that isn't already there. 
And I want to say, let's let Sox go first, because he knows these guys better than both of us do. I think I know what either one of you are going to talk about, so I'll actually choose another standard unit. So in, in 1.0, he, this, this unit used to be a heavy unit, but he is now considered a standard unit, and this is the Jaguar Warstrider. The reason why I would go with him is he is a combination between your Tomahawk Grav Tank and your Kukri AA Turret Tank. Mm -hmm. So it has, it's 100 points, squad size 1 to 3, transport value or, or teleportation value of 6. Moves four inches, countermeasures is active as well as a passive five plus. So you you get a five plus save no matter what. Fourteen armor, four damage. He's a walker type. He gets the twin Goss cannons. Uh, no move and fire value for this front side. Infinite range, uh, full Inter uh, range twenty four for countered. One shots, two plus accuracy, energy ten, and strafe of two. So you can actually target two two units side by side near each other. And then you have the twin ion cannons. Again, no move and fire penalty. Uh, front side, rear, 18 inches full, 18 inches countered. Four shots, three plus accuracy, six shots, or six energy, sorry, AA of two. But then you can uh, replace its twin Goss cannons with twin heavy bio atomizers for no cost. And those have no move and fire penalty. Front side, arc, uh, range 12 full, range 12 countered, six shots. Three plus accuracy, energy five. It's flame as well as focus too. So if you want an anti-infantry uh, killer, take his optional weapons. But if you want to help take out some heavy, some standardized, some standard tanks, uh, possibly even some heavier tanks uh, or heavier units, his uh, twin Goss cannons can can take some punches. But I really like him because, it, like I said, he, he takes a combination of the Kukris, and so you don't always have to. If you don't have the points to take Kukris. Yes, the Kukris are nice to have because they're speedy and they can whip, zip around the, the board. But if you don't have those points, but you want to take a, a War Strider because um, you want something a little bit heavier than a Tomahawk, take a couple of these Jaguars. Um, I have a, I have three of them, and I absolutely love them. Uh -huh. So that would be one of my additional add-ons to, to your starter set. Nice. Um, I know I've said this in the other episodes, but every episode could be somebody's first episode. We're deliberately avoiding behemoths in these conversations. Yes. Not because the behemoths aren't, aren't good. It's because the behemoth changes the game quite significantly. So our recommendation for people that are starting out is not to buy those until later. Get used to the game. Because once you add those to the game, the game is completely different. Uh, it changes quite significantly. Um, and you, you want to get used to how your army works and stuff before you go there pretty much. Um, so we've been avoiding those quite deliberately. Uh, George, do you have something, or do you want me to go first? Uh, no, I, I, I already had my both of mine before we even uh, started talking about this. Because um, I do have Shaltari. I have played Drop Zone Shaltari. Uh, the thing I would add to that army, um, it's kind of along the same lines of what Sox picked, but for an entirely different reason. I would pick the Ocelot Ordnance Warstrider. Because big gun, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it has a gun too. It has a move of four, uh, countermeasures of five plus, uh, armor fourteen, damage four, type walker. Uh, does take up six slots on a transport. It is one hundred and fifteen points. You could take it in a squad of one to three. Um, 
but it has a uh, a toy it brings to the party. It's called a high power particle cannon. Has a move and fire of zero. Um, it has a range of infinite for a uh, full encountered. Uh, it has one shot. It has an accuracy of two up. It has an energy of 13. Highest power in the game. Um, and you'll have to uh, help me with these rule socks because I can't remember them. Uh, it has two firing methods. Uh, one is Devastator minus two for all and Devastator minus four on scenery. That's for the first profile. Yeah, so it can take out buildings really easily. Or if you want to take out scenery, it can take out scenery extra well. I uh, One of my games, I had this, and I took out a building that had an objective and my opponent's uh, troops in it, and he was just like, oh, holy crap, you could do that. And I was like, yeah. And I had also split my uh, uh, units off into two different buildings at the same time to search, and he was like, oh, holy crap, you're going to beat me. <laughs> uh, the, the alternate firing pattern is the low-power particle cannon. Um, it, it, it can move and fire with this one, though, because uh, it's low power. Uh, it still has an infinite range, though. Um, it still only has one shot. It still has an accuracy of two. Only has an energy of ten. But this is uh, Devastator uh, minus two against scenery. Still can take out buildings, but not as effective as the high power. But that particle cannon special weapon or special rule there, George. That what is what's that little text down there at the bottom of the of the box? Oh yeah, uh, both alts of this weapon ignore evasion and passive countermeasures. I don't care about your plus five whatever save. I'm gonna shoot right through you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's and if you're a skimmer, I don't care. You're gonna be dead anyways. Yeah. You, you ever see the cartoons where like you know you know something gets shot and there's the hole and they look through it. Yeah, that's what this does. Pretty much, yeah. So, uh, this, this is my pick because all the other stuff is great. You know, it gives you the basic tanks, it gives you the basic troops, it gives you the transports. This gives you the big gun to take something out. And, and I right feel, there. yeah, I feel like I feel like the big gun is something an army always needs because there's always that one thing where it's just like, oh, I need to take something out. Like the big walker thing that the PHR has that looks amazing. You need that to take out that. You know, that's... Bruce, what's your uh, first pick? I knew I wasn't going to be talking about it because that was one of the ones that I set up. That was the one that I was referencing when I said, I know someone's going to talk about it. Anyways, Bruce, over to you. Uh, My first one I want to talk about is actually one of the other commanders. Part of, partly because, oh my God, it just looks cool. Uh, But I actually think this thing's kind of nice too. Now, that's not to say that I don't like the other one. It's just, I just think this is a really nice option. The Frost Rate Command Ship is 160 points. So it's an extra 95 points for this, but moves 20 inches, active countermeasures, passive 5 plus, energy plus 3, armor 10, damage 6, it's an aircraft. It has a faux crusher cannon. A, that sounds cool. Move and fire up to 10 inches. It's only front arc. Its full range is eight in- eighteen inches. It's counted as eighteen inches. It has one shot, accuracy of three plus, energy twelve, devastator three tank and walker, devastator four against large, disruptor cannon, ten inches move and fire. It's only in the front range of full and counted as both forty eight inches. This thing can fire across your entire table. 
One shot, accuracy of three plus, energy eight, and it's an area weapon. Um, so if you're trying to take out groups of things, that's where you'll be going. And then you've got a dragon cannon. This is front, side, and rear. There's no move and fire doesn't apply to this. Uh, its range is 12 inches for both. It has 12 shots, accuracy of three plus, energy six, and cover body and soft. The disruptor cannon. I Sorry. Yep. The dragon cannon is almost like a microwave cannon. Yeah. Think of it as a microwave that can just go through buildings and just melt troops. I mean, that's easy way to put it. Anyway, yeah. your disruption cannon. Yeah, you're about to say this. This is nasty. Yeah. If the target of this weapon is within 24 inches, increase its energy. Sorry, increase its energy by two. If the target is within 12, instead increase the energy by four. This thing is nasty. I mean, it's a lot of points, but I, this is... And if you're trying to take out something big, like, I don't know, if you do get later in that game, this can be one of your answers to those really big things that we're not talking about. One of. Um, mm -hmm. This thing is nasty. Plus, it looks cool. Personally, I wouldn't paint mine silver. I'd paint mine up to look like the rest of the army. But that's just me. Uh, socks. So, I'm going to move down to the, the support um, section as yeah. my next one. Because I have one of these, and I think it's absolutely amazing. I'm going to go with the Fire Drake Heavy Assault Gate. I wondered if that's where you were going. Yeah. So, 12, 20 inch, 125 points, squad size 1, teleportation of 6 for vehicles, or 6 for troops. So, it can do both. 20 inch move, uh, active, uh, active countermeasures, plus 5 passive, evasion of, th of plus 3, armor 10, 6 damage aircraft, and it has access. It has a disruption cannon, so 10 inch move, so just like the command ship, uh, 10 inch move uh, value, uh, ten, uh, front arc, 48 inches full, 48 inches counter, which is, when you're playing on a 4 by 4 foot board, yeah, that's the entire board, my friends. Uh, one shot, three plus accuracy, eight inch in, or eight inch energy again area, and then it has the same dragon cannon. Uh, no move and fire penalty. Front side rear, twelve inch counter, twelve inch full, twelve shots, three plus accuracy, six in energy, alternate one cover body and soft. Um, so, but it has a few special rules. Um, so it's a supplementary gate. So this unit cannot shoot its weaponry, but if it does, units can embark or disembark from this this during the same round. But, but if it's already shot, then no units can embark or disembark from this round. Um, it can teleport units. So when a unit carrying an objective embarks on this into this unit, their objectives are passed to this unit, even if this unit cannot carry usually carry objectives. So think of your troops. If your troops are going have the objective, when they teleport up into the mothership up above in space, uh, the objective is now passed over to him. Normally he cannot carry objectives, but because of that special rule, he can. And then again with the disruption cannon, uh, 24 inches, its energy is increased by 2, 12 inches, it's increased by 4. I like this unit because you've got the, the, the gunship aspect, yep. but then if, you, if one of your Edens gets shot down, you've got a backup. Yeah. The whole the, well, the teleport thing is really cool too because, I mean, look, if you're trying to walk these things off, it, like, it's not going to work because they're so slow. This thing can move 20 inches a turn. 
you could you, say, you could use this to get it off the board if you needed to. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I was gonna say this. This is like it's like gunship slash Eden Gate slash Haven. Like it can carry troops. It can go in, drop the troops off, and it can can support them with firepower. Yeah, it has the gun to do that. Then it has the speed to get off the board quick to win the game for you. I mean, it's a very like that was that was my next pick. Sorry, so, Josh. so I, I picked another one, which also makes sense. You know, also based off the one I did. Uh, but I think this is probably the one of the best. Like, I've got this army. What else do I get? You get this. Yeah. You you get that. Um, but since Sox stole that, my next edition. Well, it's the guy at Heavy Gate. Because how else are you going to get your ocelots in unless you got a big gate? Ah, uh, yep, got it. it. You know, nothing crazy about it. It's got to move. Uh, active countermeasures of uh, five up. Uh, armor of nine, seven damage. It's an aircraft. Uh, special is access. Socks, which is... Teleportation. It's a lot yep, there you go. Okay. Stuff back and forth. But they call it back then. Um, yeah. It's gun, charged atmosphere, moon fire of ten, uh, range of four, countered in full... Uh, three shots, four up, six energy, um, anti-air, no. Uh, interference, this unit may not take a shooting action, but reaction fire against the aircraft without the usual reaction fire accuracy penalty. And then teleport, when ca- carrying objective markers into this unit, their objectives are passed to this unit, even if this unit cannot carry objectives. So same thing as the other one. Um, it has the capacity, uh, sorry, it's a squad size of one, and it's 70 points. It could carry eighteen vehicle units, yeah. like the the number of eighteen. So if we go back to the ocelot, which is six, uh, six. Uh, what's a what's that squad size? Oh yeah, one to three. So the guy could carry three of those. And if you have two guys, which normally you you, if you have one, you're gonna have at least two, because that way you can transport all of your. The cool thing about the Shaltari and, and new players, you'll soon to learn the love the mechanics of the Shaltari. Is if yeah, you have is... one guy, one gate on one corner of the board and another gate on the other corner of the board, instead of picking them up with your standard drop ships like you do with every other army, you can move them from that corner to the other corner in one turn. And then it throws off the entire you you can change the front attack of your opponent so fast. It'll take them a turn or two to, to react to it, and that's, yeah, that, that's the cool thing about the Shaltari. And so, if you have yeah. two, if you have one guy gate, pick two actually, so you can, as George mentioned, you can swing all three of those ocelots yeah, well, or jaguars or whatever. Yeah, it's the same with the Haven gates. You know, it's like, oh, here's my troops. Oh, I need them on the other side of the board. They're on the other side of the board. Yeah, yeah. This it's, is where the, this is where the term shenanigans originally came from. It, it's very broken. And it was the core basic, uh, core core idea of the army. So Dave never got rid of it. They just tried to make it so that it wasn't overpowered. Yeah, too much. <laughs> so, but the, the the cool thing about this is is that charge atmosphere. So yes, this is con- it's considered an AA whip type weapon, but you can't use it offensively. It's a reactionary defensive. I mean, think about it. It's it's got so much energy teleporting the, whatever units up and down into orbit and down on the ground. That if any of their flyers get within four inches of you, yeah, you get to do an AA attack against it, and so that it, it's it's also a deterrent because they're like, 
if you park the thing in between buildings or in an open lane, they're not going to want to fly their flyers anywhere near you because they could potentially get shot down because of that. Yeah, and that so, guy is not small. I mean, it's like, what, like an area like this big. I have one actually now because my boys are playing drop zone right now. Uh, My box is under another box, so I can't pull mine out. Freaking wearing shorts? Yes, I am. It's seventy. It was 70 degrees today. That's not the Gaia. No, so I'm showing oh, you the Eden. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I was like... So, yes, here's the Eden, about the, about the size of my palm. Just the palm part, not not extending into the fingers. There's the Gaia. It's huge. It's even bigger than George said. Yeah, like, well, no, I, I, have, I have huge fat hands. There's, there's <laughs> the Eden compared to the Gaia. Yeah. So, yeah, these things are massive. For those watching the video edition of the podcast, they'll know what my next suggestion is going to have been for at least about 30, 40 seconds now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the Ronin battle suit. I was wondering if somebody was going to point this out or not. So the Ronin battle suit are 25 points. It's a squad size of 3 to 6. Um, they move 4 inches. Countermeasures are active. Passive of 6 plus. Armor of 9. Damage of 2. Infantry 2 plus. They are resilient. Uh, they have a gorse carbine. There's no moving fire attached to these. Their arc is front, side, and rear. Infinite full range, 12 if counted. Two shots, accuracy of 3+, energy 10. There's nothing special about it. There's also battle suit, which is their close quarters. So there's no moving fire. There's no arc. It's close quarters. Uh, two shots, energy 5. But you have optional weapons. So the energy blade, no moving fire, no arc. One inch range, one shot, accuracy of two plus, energy eight, destroyer six plus. That's nasty. Alternatively, bio atomizer, which is close quarters, three shots, four energy. Or energy blade, close quarters, one shot, eight energy. So you can replace your Gauss carbine and battle suit with the bio atomizer in energy blade for five points. Uh, it's tough. You get to re-roll successful critical damage against this unit. In addition, this unit may enter a garrison from any direction, regardless of entrances. Just like the Kool-Aid man. Pretty much. Yeah. Oh, yeah! <laughs> uh, the bio-atomizer shots from this weapon cause two extra points of damage on a damage roll of six. So these things are designed for close quarters. Uh, I kind of want to argue that like there's very little in the game that's going to be standing up against these inside buildings because, I mean, if you're doing close quarters, that's where you're going to be. Um, these things are just nasty. They're so Louis, good. I know we got drop squad, strike team, whatever. I want to see this in strike team. I know we're not going to because of the scale of this, but that I would love to see it thrown in. Why? No, it, it would be like the size of a dread, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, we'd have to see it then. It, it it'd be like a redemptor dreadnought, the the primaris dreadnought. It'd be about that size. No, we we have to see the socks because it's one of the infantry troop units. It's going. It, it'd have to be like. Right. It's going to be like this big. It's going to be bigger than that. It's going to be it, that'd have to be like the biggest thing that you could make in strike team. I I suspect that it would be. Depending on the size of the game, I suspect that that would be your army. It would make for an be, interesting game. It would be like your behemoth. Yeah. Yes. 
So, um, I honestly, given given the fact that you know, um, the, the Shaltari have that, and then who is it? The uh, Scourge with their the razor uh, worms? No, not the razor worms. The Destroyers? Um, the Screamer. Oh, yeah, the Screamer. I suspect the Screamer yep. might be too big, honestly. So, and, and, and this may be a thing, too, where it's like, you know, they have to, like, change the scale down. Like, you know, if the little Pungari is, like, you know, this, you know, they may have to make the Rodent suit so it's only this big, like a Dreadnought, for the scale of, you know, Drop Squad Commander. Yeah, it's possible. So... Um, uh, but yeah, like, God, that that is such a good unit too. Yes, I, 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 this is my opinion, not because I like the Shaltari and I have the Shaltari and I play the Shaltari, but I think the Shaltari has some of the best, most obvious additions at p- past the starter out of all the other armies, like the Fire Drake, the Ocelot, the one you talked about, Sox. Um, you know this guy, like. These are just so obvious of choices to take after a starter army versus the other ones where it's like, yeah, this is good, but this is also good. They're like, no, that fire drake, that fire drake's amazing. If you don't have one, why? Yeah. The rodent's great. Why don't you have two? It's a three to six squad. Come on. You know, like. Yeah. Not, the, the screamer's good. Don't get me wrong. That is that is probably a very obvious one, too. But the Shaltari just have more obvious ones, I think. The good, the thing I like about Drop Zone is it's one of the very few games in the market where you literally look at it and there's nothing that's not worth owning. Everything has a place on the table, and that's so rare. Yeah, it's really, really nice to see. Do you want a bunch of cheap troops for the for the Shaltari? You take a whole heap of Pungaris. True. Yep. Yeah. All right. So. Upcoming events. There's really only a couple of them this time. Tournaments, uh, demos, conventions, you know, that kind of stuff. Totally saying this for the first time. I'm not repeating myself at all. Uh, Summer Slaughter's coming up for Kings of War next weekend, 25th of February. Takes place at, at Games Portal in Ringwood. Uh, this is run by the Melbourne Kings of War community. It's very strong, very supportive. If you're new to the game, they're very much a a community that will welcome you and it won't be one of those clubbing baby seals experiences it will be a supportive environment that you will be feel, you will feel welcomed in i highly recommend it uh arc 40k 25th anniversary coming up on the 4th of march this is really really close now takes place at the batman royale in melbourne squidmar is attending yes that's squidmar um so if you're a 40k player then you know what Arc 40K is, um, and this is probably, out of all of them, the one that you probably want to get to if you can still buy tickets. Uh, it was very close to being sold out last time I looked. Adepticon! Adepticon is the 22nd to the 26th of March. That's in Schamburg, Illinois. And Salute is on the 22nd of April at the XL Centre in London. Same place it always is. Um, yeah. Valhalla Hobby is our sponsor. You can find them at ValhallaHobby.com. They have a lot of products that you would expect to find. They have your regular games workshop and so on and so forth. But they also concentrate on your niche, smaller games as well. Like us, they're very, very passionate about the indie side of this business. 
Um, they are very much in support of supporting the community. They're in Verona, Wisconsin. So if you are out that way, obviously make sure to check them out. If you're not, go to ValhallaHobby.com, especially if you're in the US, because they have some really good pricing, honestly. But they are a small store. Uh, they are in the middle of actually expanding that store at the moment. Um, you can find them open from 2 p.m. till 7 p.m. on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and 11 a.m. till 7 p.m. on the weekend. The store is closed Tuesdays and Thursdays. Thank you very much. Like we were saying earlier, gettingtabled.com literally wouldn't exist without these guys. Uh, like that's no hyperbole. It, it's literally, it literally would not exist without them. So very much appreciate that. Thank you very much. If you're in the US, make sure to check them out and support those people that help support us. Uh, I was trying to pull something up, but yeah, the thing, the thing is, uh, please become a Patreon. Bruce, give us the Patreon spiel about pa the contest. Patreon.com slash getting tabled. If you... No, 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 the contest. I was getting to that. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> For $2 a month, uh, you get early access to everything that we do. If you support us between now and April for every month that you support us, then you gain one entry to the competition. We're giving away a full Shaltari fleet for Drop Fleet Commander. That includes a Shaltari drop, uh, Dreadnought, a Shaltari Starter Set, a Shaltari Cruisers Box, and a Shaltari Frigates Box. With that, you can pretty much build any competitive list that you want. Um, if you want to expand from there, obviously there are other options, but you will be able to show up to a table and competitively fight against anybody that you want. Uh, it'll all be sent out to one lucky person. In order to be eligible to win, you need to live in a country that is legal for you to win competitions, and you need to be living in a country that is legal for me to post you something from Australia. If you don't meet that, then the competition will be redrawn. Our website is gettingtabled.com. That's right, just gettingtabled.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash gettingtabled. This is where 99% of the stuff is initially posted uh, as far as YouTube videos, podcasts, etc., etc. Uh, we have the YouTube channel that we talked about in the uh, episode 100 recap. Uh, youtube.com slash getting tabled that's where you'll find all the video content including the video version of this podcast uh, you can email us questions comments concerns ideas just about anything you want to send us send it to us at getting tabled at gmail.com uh, we have a twitter and instagram at getting tabled two posts showed up there today oddly enough yeah, I know. It's some very familiar models that we were looking at earlier. Right? Yeah. So so uh, I, I'm, I'm going to try to do something, especially now I'm actually like trying to actually paint right now. Um, and then Bruce has a Twitch that occasionally he does stuff with it. Uh, not so much right now. What is that, Bruce? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Jason the Bruce. Uh, I'm kind of doing things casually at the moment because my work situation has changed. I, I can't be on there regularly at the moment. So, oh, But he has it. Yeah. Give me a follow, and then you will get notifications when I go live. And I think that's it, right? Instagram, Twitter, email, YouTube, Facebook, website, Patreon. One last thing yeah. I will mention. Patreon, if you join Patreon, you also get access to um, not only our Patreon Discord, but the Entropy City Discord as well. You get previews of my game that I'm in the middle of developing. Yeah, you didn't even talk about that once. 
I don't have to. It's not technically it's not technically a podcast thing, but I I throw it up there for our Patreon as a thank you. Well, no, I, I figured like you know as part of like the episode hundred, you know, like it helped because you did oh, say this like you know that is doing this has helped you put yeah. push you into getting the get going on this. So I'm surprised you didn't mention that in episode one hundred. I talked. By the much. way, this. I talked to this was already. episode 100, folks. Thanks for tuning in and listening for 100 episodes. Yes. Thank you. 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 For listening to Getting Table. Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mataris at soundimage.org.